Hi, King's Church London. It is so special to be with you today. I've been so blessed to have been invited to preach, and this, I believe, is the continuation of a huge adventure that God has us on together. We have friendships that go back very many years and go very deep. Uh, we have connections across churches, across spheres, and within New Frontiers, and I'll be referring to that a little bit more later on. But thank you so much for the opportunity to bring the Word of God to you today. Father, I pray that this message would be stirring, that you would channel blessing through your Word that is preached by your Spirit to your people in this beautiful church. I pray, Lord, just as we are in the good of such blessing from King's Church, that there would be blessing that flows to them, that this would be a uh, two-way interaction, and that we would strengthen one another, build one another up as you have designed the body, that we may all reach unity in the faith and be built into, the, into Christ, who is the head. Father, I ask for power today that mobilizes the church, even beyond where this church is, I pray for a stirring deep down that mobilizes. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the message that I have felt in my heart to preach uh, to you is called Living on Eternal Purpose in a Fleeting World. And I wonder if you can turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to read the very first words that Jesus says to the very first disciples that he calls. And then we're going to go to the end of Matthew's Gospel and read the very last words that Jesus says to his disciples as he ascends to heaven. So the first words that we get are in Matthew's Gospel and in chapter... Uh, 4 and verse 18. Bear in mind that Jesus has just been led into the desert, overcame the temptations of the enemy. Uh, just before that, his birth, which was foretold and fulfilled numerous prophecies, uh, had happened in extraordinary circumstances. Uh, and that's the context of these first words that he says to his disciples. Verse 18, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left their boat and their father and followed him. Well, Matthew's gospel recounts all that Jesus taught and did with his disciples over those years uh, through his betrayal, his crucifixion, and we pick up the story after his resurrection at the moment that he is about to ascend to heaven. And uh, Matthew 28, verse 11 
says, while they, while they were going, behold, some of the guard went to the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they'd assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The drama of these scriptures can hardly be overstated. And I'd love us to dwell on three massive issues around eternal purpose in a fleeting world. The first is the reality of the chaos that we live in, the reality of the brokenness, the reality of the challenge of our lives. We are unable to be together today in the same room, essentially because of a global pandemic that has put everyone into isolation with phenomenal repercussions to the economy and, and to poorer countries, absolutely excruciating difficulty. We all face immense challenge. The challenge of getting COVID, of succumbing to COVID, needing a nebulizer and many not making it through. And not only COVID, but other diseases, other challenges, socio-political, economic upheaval. It was exactly the same in Jesus' day. Caesar in power, chaos that their lives were lived out in the midst of. There is nothing new under the sun. And as we read these very verses, we feel some of the chaos and pressures that these guys felt. They were fishermen. They were in the water, casting their nets into the sea. They were earning a living, dealing with whatever they had to face to be able to pay the rent and pay their livelihood. And James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, were mending their nets. The reality of nets breaking, maintenance being needed, the reality of upkeep of our lives. And I find that in the later verses, Matthew 28, it's charged with the brokenness and the chaos. Uh, the guards who set up a, 
uh, story, when they assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they were given a sufficient sum of money. There's bribery, there's intrigue, there's lying, there's defamation, there's political uh, maneuvering, everything that we see being played out. I don't know if you guys are still in Brexit or if you're out of Brexit or nearly, and I don't know if Scotland's going to make it or not, and this all the time. I've just watched Robin Hood uh, with Russell Crowe as Robin Hood, which I don't necessarily recommend as a movie, but it definitely shows the reality of the the war between the French and the English and the, the pain of conflict. And I was reading around that, that there are only 22 nations in the world that have not been invaded by the UK. And, and that's a staggering statistic. And you just think down the centuries, the conflict, the pain, the, the injustice, the, the desire to bless, but also the brokenness of what has happened. And this is the context of our lives. The reality of the chaos. And this is the context of Jesus' call leads me to the second point, the reality of the call in our lives. Notwithstanding all this difficulty that Jesus identified with, he'd just come from the desert, tempted by the enemy, aware of all the challenges, he speaks into it. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It's, it's a voice that, that goes beyond the clamor and the noise all around. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And he speaks with authority. He, he, he takes them out of their world of fishing and nets and rent and, and, and food. And he, he lifts them in a moment to glimpse something beyond this chaos. The reality of the call. It says immediately they left their nets and followed him. And he did the same again, going a little bit further. They were mending their nets. And he said to them, he called them. Immediately they left the boat. And notice, and their father. Very often some of the greatest challenge will come from our own family. Some of the greatest issues will be played out with those closest to us. Beyond all this, the call. They respond. Similarly, just the same in Matthew 28. After having lived with his disciples in the chaos of all that was going on, uh, uh, making a plan to say that Jesus' body had been stolen, the 11 that's loaded with chaos. Judas has betrayed and hung himself. There's only 11 into this. And the word doubted. Some worshipped. Others doubted. Into this chaos, the call. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. For Jesus, this is what life is all about. 
This is it. This is the only thing that will count. Your fishing nets won't be there when you stand before Jesus on that day. Your fish won't be there. No, your father won't be there. Your car won't be there. Your bank account won't be there. We will stand before him, and the scripture says in that moment, the only thing that counts is faith expressed in love. Paul writing to the Galatians, Galatians 5, says not circumcision or uncircumcision, nothing of this world is of any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressed in love. There is an eternal purpose which is being lived out by us in a fleeting world. We're living in it. It's happening. The reality of the chaos is here for us and the reality of the call is here for us. We are living this today. You might think, oh, my problems, my limitations, my issues. And, and you might think, well, is God actually calling me? The chaos is just the same for you, and the call is just the same for you who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, the practicality of the call. Not just the reality that he calls us to an eternal purpose, but the practicality. What does this look like? What does it mean for you and me to live on eternal purpose in this fleeting and chaotic world? Well, Jesus calls it, follow me and make disciples. Be a disciple and make disciples. That's the eternal purpose. That's what's going to count. The bride of Christ the body of Christ, the church. That's what's going to count for all eternity. Everything else will pass away except the value, the worth, the wonder of being a disciple and making disciples, replicating faith expressed in love. And Jesus gives pretty much a blueprint for this in his Great Commission. I call it personal relationship, vocational stewardship, and intentional partnership. Personal relationship. He says here in verse 18, Jesus came and said to them. Jesus knew these disciples. He had personal relationship. They had drawn together to him. It says the 11 disciples went to the Galilee, the mountain which Jesus had directed them. They were in personal relationship with him. These 11 gathered around him. They listened intently to what he said. They had a personal relationship. They were disciples. I want to encourage you with all my heart that the foundation of the eternal purpose that we can live in this fleeting world is a personal individual relationship with Jesus. He shows us the Father. He pours out the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. For us to draw close to him, to know him through his word and by his spirit, to spend time early in the mornings before the clutter and clamor of BBC and, and emails and WhatsApp, to be with him, 
to open his word, to worship him, to receive, to not only be a hearer, but a doer, to receive his strength, to live his word. Maybe you go through a devotional reading in the morning. Maybe you just read through the Bible in a year, whatever it is, but being in his word and in his spirit, submitted to his authority, asking him for change, praying for things that worry us. We'll finish the day with do not be anxious about anything. Coming to God with the anxieties of this world, but praying for that which is eternal. Just as Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. That worship of God, absolutely primary. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Pray in God's kingdom before our daily bread, before even confession of our sins, knowing that we are sons. We come to him essentially on an individual basis, personal relationship in prayer, worship in the scriptures. Secondly, beyond personal relationship, vocational stewardship. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Jesus is, uh, their time with Jesus on earth helped them, informed them on how to live. Not just how to preach a sermon, but how to be honest, how to trade, how to interact, how to operate. And as we go from this very message, we are into the world. And, and God calls us not just to live as a Christian when you're together at King's Church or listening online, wherever you are, but to observe everything he's commanded, to live out his word in all of our lives. And some of us are called to be lawyers and some doctors and some politicians and some mums at home, some dads at home, some gardeners, some drivers, doing everything to the glory of God. Looking at how can what I do in my life make me more a disciple of Jesus and help others to be made a disciple of Jesus? How can we so shine our light that others will see our good works and praise our Father who is in heaven? I just heard of a testimony recently of a person in our church that produces clothes and the very design and the very wording of some of the branding on the clothes have led people to Christ. And so this is a calling, this is a passion in this person's life, and their greatest joy is not only being a disciple in the way that they do business in the fashion uh, arena, but how they witness to others through their fashion and see others come to Christ as a result heard of another story of that happening with a medical doctor in our church who's not only saying how can I be a disciple as I am a medical doctor observing all that he's commanded in my workplace but how can I use my medicine to be a witness for Christ how can I use my ability as a practitioner to testify to the glory of God that intentional living eternal purpose through vocational stewardship, stewarding our talents in a way that we are becoming more of a disciple and we're helping others to be made disciples. I really pray that that is a 
tremendous motivator to King's Church because I know there are so many diverse gifts and callings, diverse talents and involvement in the world. And every single one of those is a prime opportunity to be a disciple, observing all that he has commanded, honoring him in the way that we do everything, <coughs> and a prime example to witness to the world that others may be made disciples. Lastly, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see the personal relationship coming through, the way he spoke to his disciples, baptizing the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. This is a deep personal relationship. You see the vocational stewardship. I teach them to observe everything I've commanded. Go for it in all of life. Be disciples and make disciples through everything that you do. And then you hear, and this won't even be completed in your lifetime. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is going to be multi-generational. This is going to be corporate. This is going to not rely on one person or one church. This is going to rely on the body of Christ, who Jesus will be with always, even to the very end of the age. Intentional partnership. How do we live with eternal purpose in a fleeting world? We have personal relationship with Jesus. We have vocational stewardship of what he has entrusted to us. And we have intentional partnership with the body of Christ for his purposes. And King's Church, this is where you are so beautifully placed. King's is such a great church to join. It's such a great church to be part of. It's so important to invest your time and your talent and your treasure in your local church. And if you feel that the vision is not big enough or the leaders are not honest enough or whatever reason that you can't commit and you can't give tithes and offerings and financial contribution and commit to being part of a small group and, and really go for it, well, then find another church that you think is better. But I, I can tell you, I don't know of many churches that will match kings. That is fertile ground to sow in. That is fertile ground to build eternal purpose. Get part of that church. Connect. Invest. And not only in the local church, but internationally. I am with you always to the end of the age. Make disciples of all nations. We want to be part of churches that are reaching beyond their city, beyond their nation, beyond their continent, that are doing what God called us to do right from Genesis. Through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. The prophecy to Abraham, right through to Revelation, around the throne, every nation, tribe, and tongue worshiping. Holy, holy, holy. This is the eternal purpose, living out in this fleeting life. And it's fleeting. It seems like the queen's treasures will never be exhausted. I don't know if you've seen the jewels in, in Tower Bridge or, or the tower, wherever it is. You just think that diamond will never disappear. And after the queen, long live the king. And, and this will just go on forever and ever. It won't. The only thing that is going to last 
is faith expressed in love. This commission that God has called us to personal relationship, vocational stewardship, international partnership, being made a disciple while we have personal relationship, vocational stewardship, uh, intentional partnership, being made a disciple, being challenged because no one's perfect. Only Jesus. You, you're going you're gonna to see weaknesses in your own flesh. You're going to see challenges in the world. There, there's no perfect leader. But going for it with intentionality. And not only being made a disciple, but intentionally making disciples. The way that we pray in our personal relationship for the ends of the earth. The way we steward our vocation for the purpose of others to come to know Christ. The way we intentionally partner across new frontiers as a whole. All for the purpose of seeing others come to know and worship Him as well. I want to finish with a short encouragement from a, an American president called Theodore Roosevelt, because some of us may think, I'm scared. Will it really count if I build a personal relationship with Jesus and start praying? My prayers aren't that powerful, and will God's Spirit actually change me? Does it actually count me doing things different in the world? Will it have an impact? Does my little contribution actually affect things in Mozambique? Can it actually do any difference in Venezuela? Roosevelt gave this famous speech where he said, pretty much, get in the game. He said, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat, who strives valiantly who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Don't hold back. Go for it. I'd like to ask you to Close your eyes, if you may, and I'll a little bit further on from where Jesus called his first disciples in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, in closing. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Therefore, do not be anxious about anything. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after, 
these things and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Father, I pray that King's Church would be alive in your eternal purpose in this fleeting world. That this would be a church of people who seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, who will be disciples and make disciples through personal relationship with you, vocational stewardship of how you've gifted them, and intentional partnership in all the connections that you've put them and placed in their lives. Pray these things for your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.